Welcome to season number six of the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where not only do we want you to get your money, we want you to get your money right. This show is designed specifically for ambitious moms, dads, husbands, and wives to help you get money out of the way so you can live life on your own terms. And if you're finally ready to transform the way you do money, head over and grab one of our free resources at yourmoneyright.com. Again, that's yourmoneyright.com. What's the good news, people? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Get Your Money Right podcast, the podcast where we talk about money like it's everybody's business. Because I truly believe if we're not good with money, it's because we don't talk about money. And this show is designed to change just that. I'm your host, The Money Misfit, Jamar Dupas, this is episode number 86. And today, today we're going to talk about that one subject that if you know anything about money or if you talk about money or anything like that, this question comes up. Whole life versus term life insurance. We're going to crack that wide open today. We're going to talk about, you know, is, is term really the, the right way to go, right? What are they? Who are they for? And why I think this argument of whole life versus term life is silly in the first place, somebody's mind's going to be blown wide open. So I hope you're going to like it today. If this is your first time tuning in, I'd say welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know how you found me, but I appreciate you being here. This is a different type of personal finance podcast. We talk about money as it relates to real life, how you can use it to get the things that you want to get, live the life you want to live and grow the way you want to grow and all that good stuff. If you want to find out more about what we do and how we do and our philosophies and thinking about that and all that stuff, head over to our website at yourmoneyright.com. There you can find all of our past episodes, all last 85, 86 or whatever it is, episodes on the website. You can sign up to get my very best stuff and join the Money Misfits as well. So with that being said, I'm going to get on with this because there's going to be a lot of information in here, but I want to make sure that we simplify this thing for you all together. You know how I roll. I like to make this stuff as simple as possible. So real quick, last year we had an episode on what the purpose of insurance was in the first place, right? That's a really good episode. You need to go back and listen to that. If you don't know the sole purpose of insurance, if you're afraid of paying more than what you need to pay for for insurance, then those are one of those. That's that's the episode you want to go back and listen to because we talk about what the purpose of insurance really is. And basically the gist of that episode was that the purpose of insurance is to protect your income, right? It's to protect you, your money It's to protect your financial plan. Ultimately, right? We don't buy it unless it's going to protect our money, protect our financial plan and the things that we want to make happen with it. Right. It all has to be related to what we're trying to do. Of course, you may say, well, the only reason I buy insurance, well, especially like car insurance, not even like life insurance is because the government says I'm supposed to. Well, that's true too. But if you don't have it, Right. And you catch a ticket or you catch a warrant or you spend time in jail or anything like that. It, you see what I'm saying? It still costs you money. So you're buying it to protect your money. Right. Same thing with health insurance. You're buying it to protect your money, because if something were to happen to you catastrophically and you had to get into the to the to the healthcare system, God forbid, it can get really really, really expensive. And if you don't have the proper insurance, if you don't really understand what your insurance is for and all you're doing is looking at the deductibles and co-pays and you get in there and you realize that that brain surgery you need, they don't cover it. So it bankrupts you. That's what I'm talking about because you didn't really understand the purpose of your insurance. And the purpose of that 
is to protect your income, protect you, protect your financial plan from just catastrophic failure. Right. So that's what that's all about. Uh, just just so we can recap on that real quick. So let's talk about life insurance. Right. So we're not going to talk about whether or not you should have life insurance. Right. That's for a whole other situation. Most of you know whether or not you should have life insurance. Right. If you don't know, leave me a question. Leave me a question in the comment section and we can get that worked out for you. Right. But we all know what life insurance is. Right. So life insurance, for the most part, uh, as we know it in this very basic sense, is you are paying for an insurance that. If you die, it would pay you money or wouldn't pay you money because you'd be dead. Right. But it'll pay your beneficiaries money. So I have a life insurance policy. And when I die, my family, my wife, my children will get a lump sum of money. Right. That's life insurance. And now you have this these different types of life insurances. Right. You've heard of whole life insurance. You've heard of term life insurance. You may have heard of variable life or universal life. Um, IULs. There's a lot of these different type of insurances that we're that's out there now. We're not going to talk about any of the the intricate ones. Right. We're just going to talk about two of them. Term life insurance, level term life insurance and level term or level premium whole life insurance, your basic everyday whole life, run of the mill, a few hundred year old life insurance, right? So that's what we're talking about today. And you may have heard the Dave Ramsey's, the Susie Ormans, the whoever else's talk about these insurances. And you you probably have friends that have tried to sell you this type of insurance. You probably know some insurance agents. You may be an insurance agent yourself, right? So I, I what I want to do is make sure that I give you the perspective, right? The money misfit perspective. So you really understand how this thing works out. So what is whole life insurance. What is term life insurance? Well, they basically are what they're called whole life insurance, right? So whole life insurance is life insurance that covers you your entire life, right? So term life insurance is what it is. It's for a particular term. It's typically anywhere from 10 to 30 years uh, on that term life insurance. So what does that mean? That means you say, hey, I want to have some life insurance for 20 years, for the next 20 years. And year 21, you do whatever you want, but let's make a deal. Cover me in case I die uh, within the next 20 years. I'm going to pay you this amount of money every single month for the next 20 years. And if I die within that 20 years, you will pay out this amount of money to my beneficiaries. Right. So, for example, uh, I want a five hundred thousand dollar term life insurance policy. And for that, I will pay, let's say, three hundred dollars a year every year for the next 20 years. If I die within those 20 years then you will pay my family $500,000, right? Sound like a sweet deal, right? Right. So that's what a term life is just for a particular term of time, right? 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever the case may be. I think they kind of max out at like 35 or 40 years. This might change, especially as we find ourselves getting older and older or growing or just say not getting older. But as we find our life expectancies to continue to grow as technology goes and all this good stuff, you might start seeing longer term life insurances and you may see even like your term life insurances get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, although they're already dirt cheap. Right. For price wise, term life insurance is, is super cheap, but it doesn't mean that it cost less, right? We'll touch on that another time. All right. So, so contrast that with what whole life insurance is. So whole life insurance will be, okay, uh, I will pay this premium, right? For basically the rest of my life, right? Or if you have the proper policy, you can actually get a 
you can actually own your whole life insurance. You don't necessarily have to pay it for the entire life, but we'll get on that in a little bit, right? But basically, you're going to be paying this premium just for sim- simplicity's sake. You'll pay, pay this premium, whatever it is, per month for your entire life, right? And what it does is it locks that rate in. So if you're paying $100 a month for this policy, right? Uh, you will always pay $100 a month for this policy for the rest of your life until you die, right? And that's kind of the deal, right? So uh, that's the contract you roll into, right? The, the, and that's why you'll see like a policy like I just rolled up, right? So a $500,000 policy may be $300 a year for a healthy 30-year-old man, right, who doesn't smoke, who doesn't drink or whatever the case may be. But that same policy for a 30-year-old man, for him to have his entire life would be probably 10 times that. Maybe even 20 times that as far as price is concerned up front. Why is that the case, right? Why is it that whole life insurance price wise, your monthly cost, your monthly price seems to be so much higher than your term insurance price? Well, it's real simple. Term insurance, again, like I said, it's just for a particular term, right? They are gambling or what they're not gambling, right? They're using actuarial science, right? These are these people calculate this down to a T. They know specifically the insurance company is always going to win, right? Unless you figure out how to play their game with them, right? They're not doing this out of the goodness of their own heart, right? They know that term life insurance is their most profitable product. Why is that? Because 99% of the policies never get paid out, right? So you'll pay this, whatever it is, every single month for the next 20 years, chances are they're not going to have to pay you a death benefit, right? And when you go to renew it, chances are it's going to be a whole lot more expensive. That's why it's cheap in the beginning, because you're young, you're healthy, you have a very low risk of dying, right? Within those 20 years, if you're young, you're healthy, you're not a smoker, you don't jump out of airplanes, you don't have any high risk occupations and stuff like that, right? So we're just kind of giving the perfect scenario, right? But you don't, you're not that much of a risk. So since you're not that much of a risk, it doesn't cost you that much, right? They don't have to, you don't have to put up that much money to get that coverage because they know that they're probably not, they have a 99% chance that they're not going to pay out that $500,000 policy when you die or if you die within those 20 years. They got a pretty good idea that you're not going to die. Even if you do die, there is a hundred other people that have been paying this term policy insurance for 20 years that will not die. Right. And all that money is pure profit. It just goes into their coffers. Right. They just bank it because they didn't have to pay it out. Right. That's that's the game. Right. That's the game on on term life insurance. That's why it's so cheap, because there's very little risk for them. Now, let's say today you're 30 years old. Right. And you get a 30 year term life insurance and it costs you. Again, I don't know, let's say thirty dollars a month. Right. Just throwing this number out there. Let's say it costs you thirty dollars a month. Now, after your term expires, if you didn't buy a convertible firm, or even if it is a convertible term, what will happen is your term is over and you may say, well, I want to renew my term. I want to keep getting insurance. Well, it's going to be exponentially more expensive at 60 than it was at 30. Why is that? Because you have a greater chance of dying at you know, after 60 than you did before 60, right? Between 30 and 60, very low risk of dying between 60 and 90, really high risk of dying, right? So they're going to calculate your premiums accordingly, right? So if they're going to take on this risk, knowing that it's a hundred percent certainty that you're going to die one day, 
And it's probably a 98% certainty that you're going to die before, let's say, the age 90 or whatever. They they have their sciences. They know their numbers. They do this stuff in their own head. But they basically go based on odds and what they know about you, what they know about your demographic, what they know about the countries you stay in, what they know about people who are like you and how what age they die. They know all this stuff. Right. And that's why term is attractive in the beginning because it's so cheap. Now, whole life insurance is expensive or should I say it, it has a higher price early on, because let's say if you do this at 30 and you have a hundred dollar a month policy, well, you'll be paying that hundred dollar a month policy, even though you're 80 years old. Right. So, you know, 50 years from now, you'll still be paying a hundred dollars a month, which is dirt cheap when you think about how much it would cost you to try to get insurance once you're 80 years old. Right. Once you're 80 years old, you can pretty much forget about it. Nobody's going to insure you, right? If they will insure you, it's going to be crazy expensive, be so expensive that you probably have alternative things to do with your money, right? Why is that? Because at 80, you have a great, great chance of dying, right? A really high risk of dying sometime soon, right? And they're not going to pay you. They're not going to charge you premiums, right? You, You can't pay high enough premiums for them to get their money back. That's basically the case. It's just going to be more risky for them to insure you, right? Because the way insurance works, at least it should work this way, right? Is that you never pay in more than what you get back. If you're paying in more than what you could potentially ever get back, you're getting robbed, right? It should never be that way, right? You should never just get back what you, you know, basically what, what you put in or less than what you put in, right? If that is the case, Somebody's robbing you. Right. And your policy has been designed terribly wrong. And I apologize on you know, their behalf or our behalf or the community's behalf or whatever. I just I'm sorry <laughs> right, that that happened to you. Right. Uh, so those are the, your basic differences. Right. So term life, again, is for a term. Right. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Whole life is for your whole life. I also like to look at it as is like renting versus like owning. You can actually, like I said earlier, you can actually own a whole life insurance policy to the point to where you get to the point where you don't really have to pay any premiums anymore or the dividends that you get from these p- premiums actually are paying your, your premiums for you. Right. Uh, so but term life, it's like renting. Right. You you need it. You use it. And after a while, it's you got to go. You don't own it. You just you're just kind of renting it. And it's like that with a rental property. Right. If you need a place to stay, then you get an apartment. Right. You rent an apartment. If you need a place to stay, and you don't have enough money to to buy a house. Then you rent. Right. That's what you do. Same thing with term life insurance. If you need life insurance and you can't afford whole life insurance, well, you get term life insurance because you need life insurance. You need a, you need insurance to cover the things that you need. Same thing like renting an apartment or renting a house or whatever the case may be. When I first went out on my own, left mama's house or whatnot, uh, I, I couldn't afford to buy a house, so I had to rent. That's kind of how I equate these things, right? So let's talk about some more differences as far as like features are concerned, right? So again, term life insurance is just that. It's just life insurance. It's just raw dog life insurance for a particular term. Whole life insurance has all these other little benefits and things that's involved in it, right? Uh, you may have heard the term of cash value, how you can build up cash value in your whole life insurance. And this cash value allows you to do certain things, right? Basically, you can have access to that money. Now, you have to borrow this money, but you have access to this money to do things with, right? You could pay premiums. Um, you could uh, take some of the dividends that you get throughout the year. Oh, that's the other part. You have a cash value, and your cash value is built on 
how it's built is that you have these guaranteed returns and then you have these returns that are not guaranteed, which are called dividends. And you get dividends based on the profit that the company makes throughout the year. And that is based on how much of a policy that you have. Right. How many, you know, look at your policy numbers as kind of like the shares that you have in this company. So every year they write you a dividend check. Now, you can pocket the dividend check. You can take some of the dividends and use it to pay towards your premiums. You can put your dividends into your cash value. You can put your dividends into what they call paid up additions where you buy more life insurance, which then begets you more dividends and your cash value continues to grow even faster. Now, if you don't understand all this stuff, just don't worry about it. Just follow me. Flow with me right now. Just kind of get what I'm saying. You have this bucket, this almost this forced savings account that they call cash value. Right. And with that cash value, you can utilize that cash value to do other things with. Right. Basically, it's how it goes with a term life insurance policy. You just have your term life insurance, but you also you're not paying as much into the term life insurance because it's again, it's it's cheaper. Right as far as price is concerned, because it's only for that term and there's very uh, little likelihood that you're going to get that payout, right, if you die. Uh, and insurance companies, they know that, right? So so let's talk about, now that we know what they are, right, whole life insurance is for your whole life, right? It has cash value built into that. There's some other things you can get. Uh, it's There's tax-free advantages. There's You can get like a disability benefits, riders. There's all these other things that you can do on there. And then you have your term life insurance. Term life is basically just for your that term, right? 10 year, 20 year, 30 year, you pay your premium for ever many, however many years. And then after the 30 years, it's over, right? And you can get another policy. If you, there's some other things you could do with term life insurance as well. There's policies out there that will allow you to convert it to a whole life insurance later on. Again, the premiums will be more, right? There's even policies out there that will give you back all the premiums you paid into the policy. Now, that's more expensive. You probably won't find a $500,000, you know, life insurance policy at, you know, for 250 or $300 a year. It's more expensive, but those are out there. So something you need to think about and ask about, right? So those are the major differences. But who are they for, right? And we've kind of touched on this already. If you look at term life insurance, again, it's just if you need life insurance, you get term life insurance, right? Because it's it's inexpensive. It's available. You can get most bang for your buck right now until times get a little bit better, right? <laughs> uh, that's basically what term life insurance is for. You also know, as you start to research this stuff, a lot of people with whole life insurance policies actually have term life insurance built into the whole life insurance policy so they can get more life insurance, right? Anyway, So uh, that's what it's for. If you need life insurance, get term life insurance. If you cannot afford whole life insurance, it's just really as simple as that. Right. This is why I think this argument is pretty silly, pretty silly. Right. People always say, what about whole life? You know, you know, term life versus whole life. And you get this argument of this either or and all this other crazy stuff. Y'all know how I roll. Right. I don't like this whole either or thinking. Right. A lot of people say, well, you want to buy term and invest a difference. I'm going to touch on that here in a second. Other people says, well, you don't want to buy whole life insurance because the cash value, you have to borrow the money out and then you don't get it back when you when you die, which is silly. But it, well, part of it is true. But there's some differences involved in it. And I'll explain that here in a minute. Uh, so you hear these different arguments and it's usually these arguments from based on what people are selling to you. Right. So people who make their money off of selling term life insurance will tell you buy term, invest a difference. 
Right. People who are making a living off of selling whole life insurance will tell you that well, with whole life, you can get a cash value and then you can use this cash value to, you know, whatever. Right. Go on trips and pay off debt and and whatever. And they also tell you that, you know, term life insurance is like renting your life insurance. Whole life insurance is like owning your own home. And a lot of this stuff has some truth to it. Right. And but the problem is that we always try to pick sides. Right. Remember, we talked about the many sides to a coin. Right. There's a heads and the tails. Right. So most people say there's only two sides to a coin, the heads and the tails. I'm always going to tell you there's three sides to every coin. There's a heads, the tail and the ridge. So we want to be able to sit on the ridge anytime I hear argument. Right. And there's only two sides to an argument. I try to take myself and sit in the middle of the argument. Right. And Figure out what I am not seeing that the other people are seeing, right? If the person on the head side is seeing something, I want to see what they're seeing. If the person on the tail side is seeing something, I want to see what they're seeing. And I want to put that together and figure out the truth, right? And so my deal is why I think this thing is so silly is why not both? Why not have it all? Why not have your cake and eat it too, right? So here's what I mean by that. Again, like I already said, if you need life insurance and you don't have a whole lot of money, get term life insurance, right? Because that's what you need to get right now. Again, when I moved out of the house, I needed a place to stay. I couldn't afford to buy a house, so I rented an apartment, right? Same thing with term life insurance, right? I needed the roof over my head, so I got a roof over my head by any means necessary, right? (laughs) If you need life insurance, which you probably do, get life insurance. Now, I'm not saying just go out and buy anything, right? Get yourself educated, but get life insurance and get term life insurance if that's what you need right now. Now, if you can't afford it and it's a part of your overall game plan, get whole life insurance if it fits your game plan. One of the reasons why this argument is so silly and so stupid is because people make these arguments and they know nothing about you. They know nothing about your circumstances, right? Obviously, both of these tools are beneficial, right? Because term life insurance is sold widely, right? And wealthy people, all they buy is whole life insurance. Well, I won't say all they buy, but they buy up whole life insurance like it ain't nobody's business. You need to ask yourself why. Why do they buy whole life insurance, right? Because there are a ton of benefits in it. Number one, it's typically because they are estate planning, Right. Or in in estate planning, what I basically mean is they're trying to figure out how to not pay taxes. (laughs) Right. That's what the rich people do. Right. And if you want to be wealthy, you want to be rich. We've talked about this before, how taxes is one of your largest expenses. Right. And you need to figure out plans and ways to not pay taxes because it's a wealth transfer. It will rob you of your wealth if you don't figure out how to eliminate or minimize the tax drag that you have on your life. The same way you want to minimize the interest drag that you have on your life that going being in debt can drag on you. Right. There are certain drags and money leaks in your life that you want to try to eliminate and taxes, debt, convenience fees, ignorance. These things cost too much money for you to just allow to rob you of your wealth. We make too much money, you know, especially if you're in America. Right. You make a ton of money. You're going to make a few million dollars over your your lifespan. Right. Of your working career. Don't blow it. Right. And don't let other people steal it from you. Don't let other people keep it from you. Right. So there's a reason why term life is there. And there's a reason why whole life is there. And there's a reason why major fortune 500, fortune 100, fortune 1000 companies, they buy up whole life insurance policies like it ain't nobody's business because there's some benefits there. 
Again, one of the number one benefits is tax benefits, right? Number two, we talked about that cash value. A lot of people really don't understand the power of this cash value. And this is why I want to kind of touch on this whole, uh, you know, buy term invest a difference thing, right? So most people say, look, if you have $100 a month, right, take 20 of that or 30 of that in our example and buy your term life insurance and take the other 70 and invest it in whatever, right? Stock market, usually what they're saying is the stock market or mutual funds or whatnot. And and they what they do is they'll draw out a map for you and they'll say, look, if you invest in a stock market, you get an average rate of return of, you know, Dave Ramsey says 12% a year in some mutual funds. You ain't getting 12% a year in no mutual funds, right? But Anyway, uh, <laughs> it says 12% every year mutual funds for the next 40 years. You'll have so many more, so many dollars, right? And at the end of your term life insurance policy, you won't have any need for insurance, right? That's, that's the idea, right? Is at the end of your 20 or 30 year term policy, you've put so much money aside into the stock market that has grown so big that you won't need life insurance. That's their idea, right? The part that they don't talk about is the tax drag of that money, right? One of the reasons why you're not getting 12% rate of return is because you're not, one, you're not getting 12% actual rate of return in the stock market. But even if you do, you also have to pay taxes on that stuff, right? Uh, So if you have, you know, $500,000 in the bank, well, you have to pay income taxes on that, right? Especially if you were paying it in in in, in an account where you didn't have to pay taxes up front like a 401k. You have to pay taxes on that when you pull that money out. That ain't that ain't just a pure $500,000 that's coming to you, right? So those are the things that they don't really tell you about, right? They don't really think about. The other part about, as we talked about this before, is there's really no such thing as self-insurance, right? Like, well, you, you can insure yourself, right? The question is like this. Ask your wife, fellas, ask your wife. when you, If you passed away, would they rather have your money that's in the stock market that may be available, that may be going up or may be going down and hadn't been taxed yet when you passed away? Or would they like to have a guaranteed, you know, death benefit that they don't have to worry about? There's no taxes or anything involved or anything like that. They would probably tell, like to tell you they'd like to have whichever gives them the most money, right? The problem is when you're in the stock market and you're in investments that you don't really understand, you don't have a whole lot of control over that, Right. But I talked about how I don't like either or scenarios, right? What if you could have both, right? And this is what I like about whole life insurance. Now, I'm not telling you to invest in whole life insurance, right? I'm not telling you to put your money in whole life insurance, but I'm telling you this is what I like about whole life insurance. If you have a policy that's designed properly, right? And what I mean by designed properly is it's low fees, right? Because you've heard people talk about fees. It's low fees. It's focused not necessarily on the death benefit, but the cash value, right, to where you can access that money, right? What you can do in any whole life insurance policy is buy term life insurance, excuse me, buy term life insurance inside the policy, right? Build up your cash value in that policy, right? In those cash value policies, there's usually a guaranteed rate of return. And that guaranteed rate of return is like that, is just that it's a guaranteed rate of return. Now they have dividends as well, though dividends will add on top of that, but you do get a guaranteed rate of return. I like guarantees, right? I look at these uh, cash value plans as a savings account. I look at them as a way to store your money somewhere, 
right? This is how I look at it. And the concept, if you want to look this up yourself, you've you've probably heard it. You've heard of the infinite banking concept, the bank on yourself concept, the cash flow banking concept, be your own banker. These different type of philosophies is basically what I'm talking about, where you can take money, store it away into a cash value, and you'll be able to access that money anytime you want. Now, what are the benefits of doing that, right? We talked about buying term and invested difference. Well, one, you get you get your life insurance, right? You can also add term life insurance in that policy if you want to, right? But you can build up that cash value. That cash value, it, it anytime you want to access it, you can borrow that money out, right? So people say, buy term, invest a difference. I say, do both. How do you do both? Let's say I have my money stored into this cash value, right? I got some term insurance in my whole life. I got my whole life insurance. I got all that going. What I can do, is have my ter- term life insurance, I can have my whole life insurance, and I can invest. How do I do that? Let's say I have $50,000 in my cash value, right? And I want to buy a pre- piece of real estate property, right? $25,000 home. Let's say I want to buy a $50,000 home, right? I go to my uh, life insurance people and say, hey, I got $50,000. I need that $50,000, right? Go ahead and give me that $50,000. I'm going to go buy this real estate property, this real estate property, right? And uh, I want to buy this real estate property. And uh, yes, I know I'm going to borrow this money from you, but let's say I'm going to make 10% cash on cash return on this real estate property. And I will pay you back what 4%, 5%, whatever the case may be. It's got to beat it, right? Here's the part that people miss. When you put your money into a cash value life insurance policy, those guaranteed rates of returns, that $50,000 that you took out, you didn't actually take out, right? Remember I said you can get guaranteed rates of return. Let's say the guaranteed rate of return is 4%. Well, that $50,000 that you have in that cash value is still increasing by 4% every year. It's still growing exponentially compounded by itself. But what you've done is you've taken that $50,000. You didn't really take it out. You just mirrored it. And then you invested the money somewhere else. So not not only do you have the cash value that's giving you guaranteed rates of returns, it's also giving you your dividends that's still in there that you've never touched. You've just bought a piece of property that's also giving you a rate of return. Or if you want, you're buying mutual funds. Say you still want to take that $50,000 and buy mutual funds at 10% or 12% or whatever you think you're going to get, right? You're still getting that rate of return. You're getting a guaranteed rate of return in your cash value and you're getting a rate of return on your investments. That's why I say you can do both. You don't have to do either or. You don't have to just buy term, use your own money to invest. You can buy term and whole life, use their money and your money to have money growing in two different places using the same dollar twice, Right. That's what I mean by I like to have my cake and eat it, too. I like to look at step on both sides of the equation and figure out how do I win? And this is how wealthy people are doing it. This is why they buy whole life insurance. Right. Number one, tax advantages. That money that's in that cash value is absolutely tax free. Right. Estate planning. Right. Asset protection. If somebody sues you, they can't sue you and get your life insurance policy. (laughs) Right. Because it's it's protected. It's not really even money. It's not even yours. It's an asset, but it's not yours. I look at it like uh, going back to the term life versus whole uh, uh, whole life. Right. Look at it versus renting versus buying. When you own a home, your home builds equity in your house as you pay down the mortgage. It's really not even based on the mortgage. But anyway, one of the ways to build equity is to pay down your mortgage. Right. 
and your house has value. And because you have that equity, you can access the equity in your house. If you want to do a renovation, if you want to buy a boat, if you want to go on a trip, if you want to invest money, you can access the home equity that's in your house. Cash value or whole life insurance is the same exact way, right? Those dividends, those guaranteed rates of return, they're like equity. The cash value is like equity in your policy, right? And then eventually, when you're done with your mortgage, you own your house. Now, there's still some fees you got to pay because you got to pay your property insurance. You got to pay, you know, all this other stuff, right? Maintenance, things like that. So there's still a few little fees, but a lot of that stuff can be covered with your, uh, you know, with the equity in your house, if you really wanted to, or a reverse mortgage, or you know, just working a little bit, social security is not very much. Same thing with whole life insurance policies that are designed correctly. I'm not telling you to go out and just go buy a whole life insurance policy. I'm not telling you to just go out and buy any old term life insurance policy. But what I want you to understand is people make these arguments, right, for or against something. There's always more than just two sides to the story. The the, the purpose is to educate yourself. Know what they're talking about. Know what you're getting into. And this is this is why I'm here. Right. So I could throw these ideas in your head. I can question everything that people has ever presented to us when it comes to the financial industry. Right. Anytime somebody's trying to sell me something, I'm thinking about what the motive is. Now, I don't have any motive because I don't sell whole life insurance. I don't sell term life insurance. I don't sell any type of financial products. Right. I'm not a licensed agent. Right. I don't design these policies. I, I'm not a securities agent. I'm not a you know, CFP. I, I don't have any certifications whatsoever in this financial game. And I'm, I plan to keep it that way. Right. So I can be as unbiased as possible and just give you the game, give you the game the best that I know how to give you. Right. Now, I'm not telling you what to do. Again, this is all for educational purposes, but I just want to shed some light on this stuff. And anytime you hear these arguments, whole life versus term life or UIL versus variable or UIL versus whole life, whatever the case may be, ask questions, get yourself educated, right? Know what the motives are. Don't look at just two sides of the coin, right? Stand on that third side, stand on the the edge of that coin and figure out where people are coming from. Why do people think the way they think? Why do they make the argument from that perspective and not the other? There's always so much to learn from people, right? And the best way to learn from people is to not act like you know it all. And it's not to, you know, put your stake on one side of the argument or the other, right? We see this a lot, especially in politics, especially in how to raise children, how to eat, how to whatever, right? And and for the most part, a lot of the stuff is in moderation, (laughs) right? A lot of the stuff, there's a lot of crossovers. A lot of stuff, there's a lot of overlap, right? A lot of times we just argue for the sake of argument and there's really no reason to be arguing. But we know, right? We know now. As money misfits, we know. Again, three sides of the story and we're always going to stand on that ridge to figure out what the real what the real story is, right? So just real quick, just if you need life insurance, which you probably do, term life is dirt cheap. Just like if you need a place to stay, go get you an apartment. Now, <laughs> hear me out. I'm not saying having an apartment is cheap, right? But as far as upfront costs are concerned, it's the best bang for your buck, right? I'm not even saying that term life is cheap. Really, because if you think about it, it's kind of expensive. You have a 99% chance of you not ever getting your premiums back, right? Unless you buy one of those policies that 
give you your premiums back. Right. And even then, that's a loss. Right. Because they're just going to give you what you gave what you gave them. And if you think about 20, 30 years from now, what you giving them today is going to be less is going to be less valuable in 20 to 30 years. So you really it's a loss either way. Right. You have a 99 percent chance of taking a loss. Whole life policy. As long as you keep the policy, you're going to die one day. Right. You know that for sure. You are going to die. Nobody gets out alive. Right. So in that case, whole life insurance may not be as expensive as you think. Right. May have some upfront costs, but it may not be expensive as you think. Right. And that's that's what I want. That's what I mean by you think about what the costs are. There's a difference between price, value and cost. Right. Some things may be price high. But have an amazing amount of value. So therefore, probably low cost. Right. Some people may some things may be cost, you know, maybe priced very inexpensively. Don't give you a whole lot of value. It may cost you a lot more, a lot more time, heartache, you know, maybe have to buy the thing again, over again, buy multiple, you know, things of it. You know, if you if you buy, you know, me and my wife were talking about this and she was talking about how she used to shop at Forever 21 and how the, the shirts there. I don't know how they are today, but it, back at that time, because I'm not trying to knock Forever 21. Nobody trying to sue me. Uh, but at, at some point, at you know, in the past, the shirts were really cheap. Right. So you would get a shirt for eight dollars or five dollars or whatever the case may be. But you have to buy a new one every time you wore it because one wash or two washes and it was ruined. Right. So you got to go back and get it. But if we wouldn't spend that money on a, you know, hundred dollar blouse. Right. She still has those in her closet. Right. So it's versus eight dollar. Right. So one of the, the, the things that I learned is uh, price per usage. Right. So some things can be looked at as, you know, really expensive. But if you use it every single day. The price per use may be very inexpensive, right? But if you buy something that's cheap, you only use it once or you never use it, then how expensive is that? Because you've wasted the money, right? It's cost you a lot because you didn't, you just wasted the money, right? So anyway, <laughs> hopefully I didn't confuse anybody, right? But I, I just really want to get that across that, look, we, we need to stop this, right? If you need term life insurance, get term life insurance, right? You want to work your way up to the point to where whole life insurance is not a burden for you. And even when you do get whole life insurance, you want to get yourself educated on what type and how you should design that policy, right? Because there's so many that's out there. I'm not a big fan of the UILs or universal lives or anything that's tied to the stock market where they tell you, you know, if the stock market makes, you know, you're guaranteed 10%, but you're guaranteed that you won't go below 0%. There's a lot of hidden costs into that. Look, insurance companies, they're going to make their money one way or the other, right? So if the stock market does take a loss and maybe you don't take a loss in your cash value, your premiums will go up, right? And you got to pay more in premiums. So either way, your, your cost goes up, right? So we're not, you know, watch how people kind of play play with you and play with your mind on these words. And they kind of do this whole, you know, this, if it's, you know, the whole thing, this may be too good to be true. Right. Uh, if, if that flag raises up for you, then then start questioning it. And I'm not saying it's, it's not true. Right. Because, you know, God's grace is too good to be true. But, hey, you know, got it. Right. Um, so I, I'm not one of those people that says, look, if it's too good to be true, it probably ain't. No, if, if it sounds too good to be true. And if it is true, it's because you've just been ignorant to it for a long time and nobody's ever told you about it. Now you know about it. So now it's, you know, you know, it's true. Right. So I, I hate that term that it's, it, it's too good to be true. It's probably not. Basically, the moral story, these are two very different products. Right. For two d- very different causes. Right. One term life insurance, if you need 
term life insurance for a particular term and you need a lot of death benefit uh, for a low price up front, then you go for it, right? Whole life insurance, if it's part of your overall investing plan, right? If it's part of your overall estate plan and if you have enough money to enough cash flow to, you know, to make it worthwhile for you. Right. I recommend that you do no more than 10 percent. Right. Or if you're going to do whole life insurance, maybe a minimum of 10 percent, like like a savings account, so to speak, should go to that. Uh, And but if you can't afford that, then stay away from it, because one of the worst things about that is if you start going down that path and you can't finish it, that you got to give it up. And all that money is truly wasted. Right. And, And it'll be an expensive term policy then because you've paid all this money and you get nothing back. <laughs> right. Um, uh, real quick about the whole cash value thing. I looked into that because again, I'm a big Dave Ramsey follower. And uh, one of the things you should say about cash value is you don't actually get your cash value when you die. And the truth of the matter is that there is some truth to that. Right. So if you have a policy of, let's say, one hundred thousand dollars and you start building up cash value, that uh, cash value that you get that you've built up, you don't get when you die. You just get the death benefit. But the way this thing works, if you have it designed properly, if you're putting your dividends into your cash value and you're doing what's called paid up additions, what you're actually doing is you're buying more death benefit. So you you're almost adding your cash value on top of your death benefit. So basically the moral story is your death benefit continues to grow, right? So if you start off with a hundred thousand, you're not going to finish with a hundred thousand. You're going to finish off with a whole lot more than a hundred thousand dollars in death benefit. So it looks like you're just surrendering your cash value, which is not necessarily true because your cash value is increasing your death benefit. So hopefully that don't confuse that. I really didn't even want to bring that up, but I just want to throw it out there since we're talking about it right now. So With that being said, that's all I got for today. If you have any questions, bring them over to the show notes page, yourmoneyright.com forward slash 86. If you think this could help somebody or rile somebody up, or if you think I'm absolutely flat out wrong, come let me know, right? Share this with your people. Come let me know over in the comment section. Send me a message on Facebook. You can shoot me an email. I really want to hear about it. If I'm completely off base, let's talk about it. Maybe we can get you on the microphone and we can go head to head or you can school me or, you know me, I'm, I'm open book. I'm talking outside of my neck. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm willing to hear about it. But let me tell you something. You're going to step on this mic. You bets know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right? You bets know what you're talking about. So anyway, with that being said, thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you. I really do. I love you. And God bless. MPS. MPS. Talking about